Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right. Uh, this episode, it is Monday the 4th when we are recording. Um, by the time you're hearing this, if you're a Patreon supporter, you'll be getting it tomorrow. If you're not, you'll be getting it on Wednesday. Um, so everyone else will probably on Wednesday morning be talking about the Georgia Senate runoff. Um, but we're not going to be talking about that. Um, and I considered uh, seeing if you guys wanted to delay recording so we could cover that. But I figured, no, we'll we'll do a public service by covering everything that's not the Georgia runoff because nobody else will be covering it. Ooh, very nice. So, uh, yeah, but since but since it is tomorrow, um, what are your guys' predictions? What's going to happen? Well, my personal prediction is just to stay the status quo. That uh, well, who's, uh, but who's going to win? The, aren't aren't the uh, incumbents? No, it's Wes. He said it's going to stay the status quo. We're going to remain in a perpetual state of runoff election <laughs> forever. It's just we're just going to have no. Both those seats senators. were uh, Republicans uh, up until this election, right? Yeah, and yes. that's what I'm assuming is going to remain the case. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going with a base right here too. I think uh, betting on Republicans in Georgia is generally a winning bet. Um, uh, the presidential aside, but we'll see. Yeah, so we're all agreed. We think the the Republicans are going to win. I actually took a bet on the Discord that the Democrats would win, but I was given seven to three odds. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I think right, my, my, uh, my confidence was 60% that the Republicans would win. So, you know, I'd love to be wrong. But anyway, on to the other content. And this will be an episode of the Mind Killer, long on the killer, because there's a lot of death <laughs> lot that is now preventable. Yeah. Um, but first, uh, it's January 4th, and Trump still has not conceded the election. And not only has he not conceded, 12 different Republican senators are now saying they're going to refuse to vote to certify the election results. This is fine dogged out PNG. <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, the of course, Twitter's very angry about this, but it doesn't seem like there's anything anyone could do about it. And it doesn't really seem like it's going to do anything. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of a symbolic thing. They're not going to be able to stop the certification. I don't think it's going to do anything this year, but I think they're lining up for trying to do some serious damage coming up. And actually, that's going to be my troop deployment, so I'm going to uh, save it until then. But All right. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, it also came out this week um, that Trump called the Georgia Secretary of State, who recorded the phone call, and was putting like massive pressure on him to, and I quote, find 11,780 votes yeah. for Trump so he could win the state. Uh, and oh my God, like both of these things together is like, it's not that surprising from Trump. Yeah. But, like, I still, like, everyone else is really, like, his whole party, they're just not uh, pushing back hard enough against this. Like, there needs to be, th this this kind of thing is awful, and uh, I, I feel like it shouldn't, they should do something to disincentivize this, but they're not. Well, I mean, the Secretary of State recorded the conversation and then leaked it, which I think is fucking awesome. Yeah. So he's doing something. Um, or mm -hmm. she, but the, cause I have no idea who actually is the secretary of state there. Uh, but the, I mean, it just shows you how like to Trump, 
everything is just a deal, you know? If you can just put enough pressure on uh, someone who's making a decision, then they can find, you know, another $10,000 in the contract, or they can find another 11,000 votes, and, like, reality doesn't doesn't seem to matter to him besides besides what you can uh, wrangle out of people. It, yeah, it's Brad crazy. Raffensperger is the guy's name. Okay. Oh, good for Brad. But, yeah, the, the problem with the... He's just looking at this like a business deal framing, which I agree is how he's looking at it. But yeah. the relevant difference is that Donald Trump is the head of the Department of Justice, at least for like a couple more weeks. Oh, yeah, he doesn't and care And when, say, the... And this is a point from the Reason Roundtable podcast. Like, when the... When someone at Walmart in acquisitions is bullying their bread retailer... They can't threaten them with arrest, which is what Donald Trump did. Like, he used the words, this is a crime that you're doing, you're doing crimes, and he's the head of the Justice Department. Yeah. This is not okay. No. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that some, some of these senators are just going to try to refuse to acknowledge the the votes cast like because it didn't go their way this whole thing is i mean it's this is the downfall of the republic in playing out in front of us and if it doesn't get stopped it's going to end up the same place all the other republican downfalls have ended up yeah here's here's a quote from trump he says that's a criminal offense and you can't let that happen that's a big risk to you and to ryan your lawyer yeah like the president's threatening this guy with criminal liability if he doesn't so that's a real Do nice fraud. lawyer you have there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Yeah. I I saw, like, just breaking, I think, an hour ago, uh, Democrats are pushing for the FBI, or some Democrats are pushing for the FBI to investigate this, which, A, I think, obviously, they should, but B, I don't think they will, and I don't think it would matter even if they did at this point. What's the investigation? We have the, the conversation. <laughs> that's true. You don't need to investigate it. You just need to arrest the motherfucker and put him yeah. in jail. No, that's like that's like typical mealy mouth Democrat bullshit where they're like, oh, he did a crime. Let's look into it. Yeah, we, we should we should send a strongly worded letter. I hear Susan Collins furrowed an eyebrow. <laughs> I mean, literally, the problem is they're worried that there would be a insurrection and violence if somebody tried to arrest the president and that's stopping them. And I don't know. I mean, at some point, maybe you just have to risk that. Well, you know, he's not going to be president in a couple of weeks yeah. so you, it, it makes sense to wait till after then i guess i heard someone floating the idea of impeaching him i can't remember who but that would be great just for the memes yeah i i've seen a couple people suggest that and i'm like eh, not terribly against it i think the republicans would vote to acquit him again but yeah like i mean what's even the point yeah. at this point yeah that's uh it's a good show I- yeah, I mean, there would be some value in just, like, getting the Republican senators on on a record about this, so that when the Truth and Reconciliation Committee comes through, we can truth and reconciliate them. I, I, think, but... there's a, I think there's a lot of value just in seeing justice done, even if it doesn't matter anymore. Like, the fact that there are former politicians that are war criminals and they're out of office now and just nothing's ever going to happen to them is seriously disheartening and i i think it should something should be done about it but 
it never will. There isn't the will for it. People aren't willing to die for that. And I mean, I don't blame them. There's a, I don't want to die either. So it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, the the game theory is kind of complicated and disheartening here. Um, I believe yeah. Scott Alexander wrote a post called something like, if Kim Jong-un opened a KFC, would you eat there? Uh, <laughs> basically saying, like, we should give evil people an out so that they don't hang on to their dis- posts that let them be destructively evil with their dying breath. And, like, I agree, it's not great that that's the best thing to do but i'm not convinced that it's not the best thing to do i mean you also don't want to make it apparent that if if you do get away with these crimes for long enough then you won't ever be punished because that's just more incentive for future people to go along and you know do these crimes and then just hope they can get away with it for long enough yeah but it's also an incentive to people who are currently doing those crimes to stop if you do let them get away with it um so yeah, it's it is not simple, and this is just another one of those cases where I think if you have a uh, strongly held opinion one way or the other, you're probably just wrong. Well, I am. Uh, I'm gonna say 85% in favor of prosecuting Trump after he leaves office for just everything he did. I'm 100% uh, in favor, but I don't <laughs> think it's ever gonna happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's the Democrats are already out there saying we're looking forward, not backward. Yeah, but don't worry, they might uh, like, you know like do an investigation. Well, they don't want to be yeah, prosecuted it, for their shit either. Yeah, true. Yeah, so on the one hand, I want to say I also want him prosecuted because like we're a country that has the rule of law, and so we should be held to higher standards than um like Muammar Gaddafi or Kim Jong Un. But also, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that, like, I don't want to give a harsher punishment for better behavior, relatively speaking. So, yeah. I, 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 don't, think, I, I don't think the case with Trump is better behavior, though. Yeah, who, who, who was worse than him? You mean Mobar Gaddafi? No, no, I just mean, like, yeah. Trump isn't one of those people who, at this point, is like, okay, I, I'm going to stop doing the bad stuff because I realize it's it's bad, and so we should give him an out. He's he's going to stick to his guns to the very end and cause as much chaos as possible. And... No, Eniash, I have it uh, right from the mouth of Susan Collins that uh, Trump learned his lesson after the impeachment. Uh-huh. Oh, so... I mean, if Susan uh-huh. Collins said yeah, it, then... that, that's yeah. a thing yeah. that happened. <laughs> he learned something. I'm pretty sure that the last time that Donald Trump learned a lesson was, I don't know, probably when, uh, what was his dad's name? John? Yeah, back when John died. Or Fred, thank you. Was back when Fred died. What do you think he learned when his dad died? Uh, that if he's enough of a bully, he can get everything. Oh, okay. He definitely learned that somewhere. But speaking of Trump corruption, uh, he also issued a whole lot of pardons. Uh, And I counted this up a few days ago, and it was 42 so far, including Paul Manafort, uh, who (laughs) stole a bunch of money uh, and had to pay it back to the federal government. And the text of Paul Manafort's pardon definitely sounds like Trump is trying to give him his money back. Really? Yeah. And uh, I recommend on this topic a podcast called Opening Arguments. They do a pretty deep dive into the law here. 
and and it's like they're pretty sure that that's illegal that he can't get the money back but not like a hundred percent sure oh god where's my phone i need to subscribe to this yeah also this included the uh blackwater guys who shot up a bunch of civilians the blackwater this murderers i believe this should be known as uh yeah, yeah just four four mercenaries that worked for the u.s army through blackwater and went on a killing spree uh, were convicted for it and he just pardoned them i think more than anything else just to you know own the libs so that's yeah. well great. that's that's what it's all for yeah it's like owning the libs, rewarding his cronies. Um, you know, you're trying to to reward the people that have been loyal to him. Like just just the fact that you would pardon murderers simply, you know, to to get back at the people that you consider politically against you. It just I I don't know. I I I, I mean, I expected nothing less. Yeah, that's true. I I had expected or at least hoped that he might also manage to, you know, get some nonviolent drug offenders in there, but I guess I was too optimistic. The thing is, the cartoonish mustache-twirling evilness of it is what gets me. Like, he's really fully leaning into the Voldemort persona at this point. Complete with the part where Voldemort spent seven years failing to take over high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, normally there's, like, this whole uh, board that goes through you know clemency applications and and screens them out for like who is they they you know who is like really a miscarriage of justice that they're being punished and uh recommends them to the president and like every president has like a couple of corrupt pardons um i think what clinton pardoned mark rich who was like a crony of his who was definitely guilty but he was just doing him a favor um i don't remember if obama had any like obviously corrupt pardons but it's sort of expected that there's going to be one or two but it looks like trump has 42 so far not a single one has come from the clemency board Uh, it's just all personal friends of his and people he thinks would own the libs speaking of personal friends of trump getting uh getting favors representative devin is it pronounced noons Devin Nunez, Nunez. Um, yeah. confirmed farmer Devin Nunez. <laughs> yes, Devin Nunez of Devin Nunez's cow fame. <laughs> he uh, was a big Trump supporter throughout this whole four-year debacle and uh, specifically defended Trump against uh, the Russian interference allegations. Uh, he has been awarded the Medal of Freedom by uh, Donald Trump, which is the highest award that can be given in the country to a uh, civilian, uh, specifically for defending Trump during the uh, Russia investigation. And I I believe the wording they used was for uh, thwarting a plot against the sitting president of the U.S. or something. (laughs) It it was, it was, I mean, I don't know. I, I would be embarrassed if I was Nunez, but I don't know. I guess he's not. He hasn't said anything about giving it back or declining it. Sorry, it, doesn't this require a sign-off from Congress? Apparently Isn't it the not. Congressional Medal of Freedom? You'd think, I think but the, it doesn't appear so. I think the Medal of Freedom is, uh, or the Medal from Congress is the Medal of Honor. Yeah, I know that one is the Congressional Medal of Honor, but I thought the Medal of Freedom was the same way. Apparently but fuck not. if I know. So, is this like substantive or is it just like a shiny paperweight it's a shiny paperweight but it's kind of ridiculous what what you know it's being used for yeah i I mean completely agree but like 
this isn't even the tenth most clownish thing Trump has done, so. Right. I mean, he also gave the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a trash me? award. <laughs> yeah. When did oh, you this happen? This? this was like a years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, like, it was already kind of a joke award by this point. But, you know, it's still, like, it used to go out to people who deserve it and uh, feel like they are, you know, justifiably pissed off about this. It's become basically like the medals that you see all over the generals of those uh, third world despotic countries. Just an entire yeah. chest full of medals that really don't mean much of anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did it at this year's State of the Union. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he gave it to Rush. And Rush is, like, sitting there in the audience, not having no idea this is going to happen. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> he didn't even tell him beforehand? It didn't look like it. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, you know, the Medal of Freedom is now an even bigger joke than it was. So good. Yeah. Um, other Trump things. He finally signed the COVID relief bill that we were talking about last episode. Uh, we were, I think, maybe um, overly confident last episode that that he was going to uh because then right after we recorded that he threw a tantrum and demanded that uh you know the the checks going out to people be increased to two grand and he said he wasn't gonna sign it and then nancy pelosi was like good uh good great idea mr president and immediately passed a bill for two thousand dollar checks and then uh trump caved uh and the, the senate never voted on it yeah I love how we're finally, finally, after four years of Trump's tomfuckery, getting a real good look at what ex- at where exactly cocaine Mitch McConnell draws the line. <laughs> yeah. Like, stopping wars and giving money to people in the middle of a largely government-created recession. These oh, yeah. are a bridge too far for the turtle man. Oh, yeah. And and speaking of funding wars, um, a related story. uh, Trump got his first veto override this week uh, because he vetoed a defense spending bill. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. And if there's one thing that Congress critters will uh, not tolerate, it's not spending money on the military. Has any president ever vetoed a military funding bill before? Uh, I don't know. Trump vetoed it. Yeah. Because he he demanded that the uh, they include in it a repeal of Section 230 of uh, whatever whatever law that was that was uh, about um, online publishers. Because he specifically wanted to go after Twitter for uh, for not clamping down on people who dislike him, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Section 230 is is what says that a uh, publisher on or a a person online that hosts other people's comments is not a publisher of those comments. So they're not responsible for what other people say. Uh, it's the thing that allows the internet to exist. Yes, the internet as we know it. It's particularly rich that Trump was pushing for this because if Section 230 was repealed, his own Twitter account, which has been, <laughs> let's say, playing fast and loose with certain laws regarding, oh, I don't know, libel, would probably get banned within, like, three seconds. Yeah. I mean, all accounts would get banned. Nobody yeah. would let anyone say anything on their platforms if they were liable for it. Yes, but Trump would be the first. Literally Definitely. the first. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so he would definitely be number one. Um, yeah, he obviously doesn't understand what Section 230 does. Um, but, like, everyone in the entire world is kind of unanimous against this, except for the just idiots who believe whatever Trump says. Wait, um, what? No, the idiots are also against this. It's the smart people who aren't against this. The, like, there's pretty bipartisan agreement right now that Section 230 is bad. Because they it allows the internet to say things that they can't control. Yes. I mean, there isn't actually, because they refuse to repeal it. That's true. They, they yeah. haven't gone that far yet. I, I fully expect, unless there is drastic le- increases in... Um, in computer literacy in the Senate that at some point they're going to try. But maybe, maybe it'll hold on long enough that we get some younger people in there. I mean, they're already trying, but they're not going to do it. Like, the internet would just die. No, the internet as they... we know it would die. We couldn't, you couldn't say things on it anymore, but yeah, still use it for commerce and, I don't know, official government propaganda. <laughs> ah, well, as long as the government propaganda can get through... <laughs> Oh, man. But no, they're not going to repeal that. It's ridiculous. It's just Trump throwing a tantrum. I think mostly conversation would have to go underground or, uh, you know, private private servers that uh, it would become a more close-knit kind of thing, and everyone's ability to speak to the world would be greatly curtailed. But maybe that would even be better. I don't know. The, well, the look, fact a lot that of you people... could just go on the internet and find information that you need would suck. A lot of very rich people would lose a lot of money, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Well, the losing money part, anyway. <laughs> Only rich people are allowed to speak on the internet. Yeah. Um. All right, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is something that kind of went under the radar uh, by design, which is that in the, the last uh, omnibus funding bill of the year, um, Congress just snuck in a whole bunch of climate re- legislation. Uh, and um, Matt Iglesias has a, has a great podcast about this um, on his Slow Boring website. It will link in the show notes. Um, but it's, uh, he calls it Secret Congress because this is like really good stuff, it, it, including banning or phasing out emissions of hydrofluorocarbons. Um, which are probably the the lowest hanging fruit in terms of um, climate legislation. Um, they're they're really terrible for uh, greenhouse gases, and they're pretty easy to phase out. Um, and and the reason they were able to do this is just they everyone kind of agreed not to talk about it uh, because anyone if anyone started talking about it, it would have become a partisan thing. It would have been you know a big fight back and forth. And so they really just did it on the DL. Maybe that's how we got to get things done in the in the new the new climate of politics is that when the when the two sides actually agree that something needs to be done, they will have to secretly do it and pass it on the slide because uh, everything else is performative. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be exactly how how the only way anything's going to get done, Um, which is bad. But at least there is this secret Congress that's actually doing things. I mean, it's good that it exists to get things done, but it, it means now you have to place a lot more trust in your elites uh, to do things correctly. On the other hand, having outsourced the governing to the masses has worked really terribly for the past <laughs> decade or two. So uh, 
I don't know. It, it, like, I I hate this rule by the elite thing. I want to guillotine them all whenever it happens, but uh, having now lived through the alternative, I'm like, wow, this is surprisingly worse. I didn't think that could happen. Yeah, I'm mostly on David's side that um, elites generally probably don't have enough influence in our system because everything is so stupid. And if the elites were in charge, it would at least be less stupid. Um, it would just be, you know, it would probably be more unfair, but it would be less stupid. And the stupidity is really the bigger problem right now, as as we'll get to soon. Yeah, I I really, really don't like the omnibus bill model of government, but also, like, fuck, it might be the closest thing we can get to something like an epistocracy without having to, like, get through a... a, a what you call it um an amendment to the constitution i think it would be better if the elites were more representative of the actual populace like the fact that for decades all the elites were Have just you met from the, the populace rich, white, and male yeah yeah, yeah i mean in that sense i do agree but like fuck the populace <laughs> they voted for <laughs> trump <laughs> no they less than half of them both times <laughs> Uh, but I think this is like the same way we got that crime bill a few like like six months ago. Do you guys remember that? It was like suddenly there was a crime bill passed that nobody had talked about. I don't even remember if I was alive six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. We, they had like a criminal reform bill that like made some modest improvements, but were actual improvements. Um, and like, you know, not throwing quite as many people in jail. Nice. I mean, I and am it was in like, favor of not throwing as many people in jail. Yeah, and it was, by all accounts, a pretty decent bill, but, like, nobody talked about it before it happened. I had no idea it was happening, and then it was like, I just saw a headline. It was like, oh, crime bill passes. Now, see, I'm really interested about the Secret Congress thing, and I sort of want a podcast about that, but that would also destroy the secret part of the Secret Congress, so <laughs> the best thing to do know, would never talk about it again. We shouldn't even be discussing it. Yes. Everyone, everyone, uh, all five listeners, forget we ever said anything. <laughs> um, all right, is it time to get into COVID news? Let's get into COVID. Okay, uh, the news is bad. It's all bad. Um, there's a new COVID-19 strain. Um, it's, it's early enough that not everyone is sure it's a real thing, but they're pretty sure. Um, Zv is pretty much the only person I listen to on this sort of thing. And he says he's 80% sure that it's, uh, you know, significantly more contagious. So that's, that's bad. <laughs> um, and if it's, you know, like they're saying it's like 30 to 70% more contagious. And if that's true, then there's no stopping it. Uh, and that sucks. And just, it's going to be then a race against that versus the vaccine. <laughs> uh, that's the uh, really bad race, news. which we are determined to kneecap ourselves in more on that. Yeah. In a yeah. Oh no, let's just go. Okay. Who wants to, who wants to talk about how we're fucking up the vaccine rollout? I mean, it would be easier to talk about all the ways that we're not fucking up the vaccine rollout because there are fewer of them. <laughs> Basically, if you imagine anything that could be done wrong, it's probably happening. Um, yeah, so basically we have a whole bunch of vaccine that we're not putting in people's arms and they're expiring because the 
the mandatory price that the government has set that doctors have to charge is not worth it for them because they can only charge like 20 bucks and it takes like half an hour to do all the processing and stuff and they need to you know pay people to do those things and for some reason the way that they decided to do that was by not letting doctors charge more than 20 bucks instead of saying charge 20 bucks at point of service and we'll pay you extra if they want the consumers to be paying 20 bucks this is the worst thing i have (laughs) ever heard like they this was a layup it was a layup into one of those two foot high basketball hoops for babies and they are just shitting the bed in every possible way why are you guys not anarchists yet yeah, so last I saw, there were 20 million uh, vaccine doses that had been produced and shipped, and only 3 million that had been administered. I, I mean, remember um, back when we were upset that Trump had passed on that extra 100 million vaccines? Yeah. yeah. And, and now, by the time that we get through these that we have, there'll be more lined up, because we, we just we suck at putting at putting them into people. Yeah, and that's, and that's clearly because... That's not our priority. No. The priority seems to be among, um, at least among Democratic governors, to, to like make sure nobody's jumping the line. Dude, you know and, um, how quickly and we could... And turning a profit. You know how quickly we could yeah. sell and put all these vaccines in people's arms if we let them go to like the highest bidder? And, and not only that, like how much people around the U.S., I heard there's no way to make something more high status than seeing all the extremely successful, wealthy, looked up to people in the U.S. fighting each other to pay as much as they can to get the vaccine first. Like, yeah, I mean, I I know we could do it at least ten times faster because that's what Israel's doing. Yes, but then white people would get it more, and sure, more black people would get it, but white people would get it more. I mean, I, yeah. I'm going to be not getting it uh, anytime soon. And if it was going for thousands of dollars, I would also be not getting it anytime soon. Hello. But at least some people would be getting it somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you can see sometimes they just say it out loud like Andrew Cuomo did, yeah. um, who Zvi refers to as actual worst person. Um, And he's out there saying that he's going to prosecute anyone who administers the vaccine to anyone who's not, you know, the right place in line. And also he's going to prosecute the person who gets it. Um, And uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has said something similar. And it's just like, where are these people's heads at? Who like the the reports from Israel are that, like, their orders are get these shots in people's arms. Like, try to do it in a specific order, but if you have extra shots, just grab someone off the street and jab it. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, like, that's the tweets that's been going around that, like, some nurses mm-hmm. would just, at the end of the day, they had three shots left, pull a pizza guy off the street and be like, hey, do you want to get vaccinated? Boom, there you go. Like, there's yeah. one more person that cannot spread COVID-19 to others. Mm-hmm. And that's because, like, that's... That's where their priority is. They're like, we want to vaccinate as many people as possible because, you know, saving lives is more important than, you know, 
pretentious moral grandstanding. You, you want <laughs> yeah, to know how exactly. great the pretentious moral grandstanding is? Cuomo, not only did Cuomo say that he would fine and prosecute anyone who administered a, uh, a vaccine to people who, you know, were jumping the line or not on the approved list or something, he also said that any hospitals that haven't uh, put all the vaccines that they have right now into people by the end of this week will get fined and prosecuted for not moving fast enough on getting it out. So, you know. <laughs> let's just prosecute everybody. Yeah, let's prosecute Wait. them for vaccinating people and prosecute them for not vaccinating people. Just Well, if they're all in jail, they can't spread COVID-19 oh, to anyone else. That's the opposite of true. <laughs> <laughs> Jails are COVID hothouses. But who cares also, about people that... in jail? They deserve COVID. Also, does yeah, uh, anyone know? Does anyone know whether Brian Deacon listens to this podcast? Because in We Want More, he said some very hurtful things about uh, Professor Quirrell, which have been one thousand percent borne out by this whole debacle. <laughs> and I think he owes Quirrell an apology. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure he does not listen to this podcast, but we can forward him that one clip of you just now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Professor Quirrell would have seen this one coming. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's bad. Um, the the new strain is, it's here, it's spreading, and it's going to keep spreading. And uh, the only thing that can prevent it seems to be this vaccine that we are handing out very slowly. I don't remember who I saw say this, but someone pointed out that in future generations, they are going to look back on this time period as an object lesson of how everything can possibly go wrong when a society is just horribly incompetently managed because we could have had this vaccine out and in production starting in june of this year like by the end of 2020 we could have had the whole nation vaccinated and now instead we've got almost no one vaccinated and a new strain coming along that's even more contagious and like how is this acceptable See, even that is too optimistic for me. I, I don't think anyone's going to learn anything from this. Because we're all dead? No, just because the, everyone's going to have their own narrative of what happened, and the actual facts aren't going to matter, and that, that's not what it, what's going to get remembered. Honestly, there's probably going to be some new social issue 40 years from now, at the, and that'll be the hot button, and they won't, yeah. yeah they won't care like, at all there, about how we fucked this up. Like, there, there will be, like, people writing books... And people like us, but in the future, will read those books and will be like, yes, this has been a problem for a long time. Why haven't we fixed it? And we won't yeah. have fixed it because mm -hmm. we'll still be at the mercy of the median voter who is, let us remember, a moron. Yeah, like it was obviously, obviously a mistake not to do challenge trials. Yeah. But like, nobody's admitting that. Nobody, nobody who had any decision-making authority is admitting that, and the the public's not even hearing about it. I, I don't, I just don't think future generations are going to even hear about you know all the fuck ups that happened. They're just going to be like, they're just going to hear about this as like, oh, it was such a crazy time, and it was so hard on everybody, and everyone who lived through it are heroes. I don't know. They hear about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, and that is something. Do that, they? Yeah, pretty much everyone knows about that by now. Ah. Uh... That's actually related to my, to my next article I, I, I see you haven't met the median voter yet. I mean, I think people do hear about that sometimes. Um, but that's like, I feel like that's that's obviously bad and obviously wrong. 
and I, I think it's too optimistic to think that uh, future generations looking back on this will see it as that obviously wrong. I would I be know. willing to bet that, like, I don't know what levels of education your moms have, but unless they're, like, exceptionally well-educated, I would be willing to bet that your moms don't know about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Like, I, uh, I, I would bet that my mom is, knows about it, but she has a master's. Well, a master's equivalency. Yeah. Yeah, oh. like... I would give it at least 50% odds that my mom knows about it, because I'm sure it was never taught to her, but she is, she tries to stay fairly well informed and uh, and watches a lot of inf- edutainment, I guess, um, which is a terrible name for it, but it's, it's just, you know, things that teach you, but aren't boring and shitty in the way they do it, so uh, she's probably heard about it by now over the years. Yeah, so I guess what our answer is here, David, is yo mama. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, my mom my mom definitely would because she also has a masters. Um Yeah, but you know, if you wanna put ten bucks out on it at even odds that uh if you ask your mom, Hey, do you know about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment? She gives you a answer along the lines of, No, what's that? Uh she may not know the exact words to Skeegee Syphilis Experiment, but, like, if I tell her what it is and she says, oh, yeah, I knew about that, does that count? Mm, I'm not sure, because, like, it, it is really easy to retroactively tell yourself that you knew something, so... Oh, yeah, that's true. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see if we can't figure out an experimental procedure that's mutually agreeable, but I am willing to put money on this. Okay. All right, we'll come back next episode for the thrilling conclusion. <laughs> of Is Yo Mama So Smart? <laughs> Yo Mama So Ill-Informed. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, other bad news about COVID. Apparently, lots of healthcare and frontline workers are refusing the vaccine. Yeah, this, like, this kind of blew my mind because I am in this filter of people who understand that disease is bad and vaccines are good and that, you know, th- this isn't some kind of brand new technology that the human race has not run into before. We pretty much know how vaccines work and uh, what their side effects are. But... Uh, apparently not everyone is in that same headspace. Uh, it turns out that vast amounts of people who are on the front lines uh, just are not going to get the shot uh, as long as they can refuse it, which I believe you can in the U.S. Um, there's a number of hospitals uh, surveyed where between 40 and 60% of the nursing staff say they won't get it. Uh, there's old people's homes with roughly the same percentages of people saying they won't get it. 55% of the New York Fire Department firefighters said they would not get it. Uh, it, it, It's like looking through these statistics, it's kind of crazy to me how how prevalent this fear of the vaccine is. Um, And one of the narratives that was being uh, put forward about this is that... uh, a lot of people don't trust the government, specifically, a lot of people of minority races don't trust the government, especially the current government head up, headed up by Trump. And that Did somebody say Tuskegee experiment? Exactly. Like the, <laughs> the actual quote is uh, from one of the people doing the surveys, I've heard Tuskegee more times than I can count in the past month. 
And you know, it's a valid concern. Uh, there, a lot of these frontline workers, people working at nursing homes, uh, nurses in hospitals, are a minority. They're, they're Hispanic or black, more, more so than the general population at any rate. And they are the much more uh, likely to distrust the government and distrust the vaccine. So, you know, that's kind of fucked up, since they are apparently also the people who are more at risk with, from, uh, from the virus. If only tons of rich and famous influencers were allowed to fight each other to see who could get it first. And, and it's also fucked up because the pretentious moral grandstanding that's preventing that from happening is that any other distribution method would disproportionately favor white people. So they fucked up this rollout so that they could get more shots into the arms of people of color. And then the people of color said, no thanks. And they're still fucking up the rollout. Like, why? Yeah, and instead you... of saying, okay, well, let's just give them then to the other people that want them, they're just leaving them on the shelves to spoil. Yeah. I mean... uh, you know, my, my view on this was that, like, the anti-vaxxers weren't ever going to be a problem because, you know, half the country wants it. So we'll just give it to them first. And then by the time they get it, everyone else will have enough friends who got it that they're like, oh, uh, I guess it's okay. Uh, but if they're that only works if they actually give it to the people that want it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, we need to contact the people we know that work in the medical industry and see if we can somehow get a black market vaccine shot from something that's going to spoil. <laughs> like, seriously, if hey, I don't could, let Andrew Cuomo hear you say that. I, if I could bribe someone a thousand dollars to give me a vaccine that would be that would be spoiling otherwise, I, I am more than happy to do so because yeah. I, I would well, like I mean, to not I mean, be infected. E- email us the Mind Killer Podcast. At gmail.com. Or if you know me in real life, just contact me. I'm, I'm, I'll probably be reaching out to you anyway, but, you know. No, don't call Eni Ash. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Wes and me will will fight, too, who can bribe you with more money. Yeah, like a functioning market. Yeah. Anyways, the upshot of all this, I guess, is that we've been vaccinating approximately a million people per week in the U.S., which uh, at that race, at that rate, it'll take us more than six years to get everyone a shot, to get everyone one shot. So uh, ye, we, we and it, really... And you need two. Yeah. You don't need two. Two are nice. Yes, yeah, true. But they aren't that's necessary. True. Yes. I also hear you only need half a dose of Moderna. Oh, interesting. Um, so that. they're talking about giving everyone half doses. Uh, so we'll see if anything comes of that. But 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 um, but, 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 but medical ethics. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure we won't, because yeah, exactly because we didn't test giving people half a dose. Look, you need to spend another billion dollars in six months on testing before it can be approved. Yeah. It's just it hasn't been approved by the FDA, and that's the most important thing. <sighs> um, Biden is at least saying a lot of the right things about this. Yeah, he's promising a million per day in his first hundred days. Uh, which is seven times more for those people who are counting. Yes. Uh, so that would be good. That would mean a uh, hundred million doses, which is, you know, between a third and a fourth of the country. Yeah. So that'd be nice if that actually happens. Uh, but we'll see. All right. Well, now that we're good and depressed, <laughs> let's move on to happy news. Happy news. Uh, this first one is from me. I wasn't sure if I should put it in happy news because it's kind of mean-spirited and I don't think we should, you know, focus on mean-spirited things for happy news. But on the other hand... That's okay. Mine's mean-spirited too. Okay. It, it, it is funny and 
with everything else going wrong, like I just I, I, I had to link this particular article. Uh, there's a guy who follows QAnon uh, groups on Facebook and Reddit and tries to keep betting people all the time on these things. Uh, whenever, like he'll make a quick search first just to make sure there isn't something he missed that's out of left field. But uh, whenever he can, he tries to make a bet and together with uh, predict it and just sometimes individual vote uh, individual bets. But I believe mostly it's through predicted stuff. Uh, he has now made uh, $400 of profit on $800 that he's been putting in. He says that he has won every single bet so far uh, <laughs> because it's fucking QAnon. They are lunatics who believe crazy conspiracy theory shit. And uh, it, this just seems like a wonderful way that if we can exploit this, may eventually get people to start questioning their own beliefs when they keep losing more and more money and anything that incentivizes uh, that sort of behavior that makes people less wrong and also gives uh, money to people who are not crazies uh, I think is a great thing so yeah this was this was a fun little article that I think I should pass along yeah sure. nice. 50% returns that's not bad at all yeah now from what I understand of predict it the problem with it is you can't invest more than two grand at a time or something. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know why that is? Probably gambling laws. Yeah, I'm sure it's a law, but like, I don't. Can you do it in Vegas or like Atlantic City? Is there any way around it that anyone knows? I mean, I imagine you could make sock puppets with a uh, VPN. Was well, there a legal way to do it? I'm asking. Le- legality is overrated. Yeah, that's what I learned from our president. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, did they not teach you that in law school? <laughs> Is day one of law uh, school not do crimes? It's fine. <laughs> well, they do teach you that the law is whatever you can confidently assert. <laughs> so, uh, all right, David, you have some happy news for yes, us. Yes, and mine is not mean-spirited. Uh, Newark, New Jersey uh, is one of those cities that has uh been doing some uh police de-escalation training and apparently it's working like gangbusters because they did not fire a single shot in 2020 fucking awesome yeah that's fantastic um and that's like that that just sounds crazy to me because newark is not like a low crime area it's not like the bel air of new jersey no no of the uh the you know the the larger cities in New Jersey, Newark is uh it's probably probably second in crime after Camden. Really, and for a full year, not one shot was fired by an officer. Yeah, dude. All right, we need yeah, to figure out what this escalation program is. By figure out, I mean just ask them and implement it everywhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but New Jersey, like I've been saying, has been has been doing pretty well on police reform stuff. Like they started years ago. Um, and they, it's really, I, I really think it's a lot of their use of force policies um, that that stress de-escalation uh, and not using force um, unless absolutely necessary. So, uh, you know, I really hope other states take a look at that. Um, and uh, probably, I would guess that the Newark policy is based on the state policy. I know the Camden one is. Um, so I hope other states take a look at that in other cities and uh, design something similar and, you know, put the uh, put some actual muscle behind it. And is the crime rate like still, I mean, obviously not fine or whatever, but it isn't like spiking or anything, right? It's staying on track with the rest of the nation and their their historical average for that city. I don't know. That probably would have been a good thing to look up, though. 
before okay. we put this into happy news. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like if they have twice There's as much There's actually crime. no police in Newark. <laughs> and it's just all crime. <laughs> um, I, I certainly haven't heard anything like that. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, my piece of happy news, also kind of mean-spirited, it's that uh, Dominion, uh, Dominion Voting Systems... Uh, has announced that they are going to sue Sidney Powell for defamation and are looking into suing Donald Trump. Uh, now, if you don't know who Dominion Voting Systems is, you are probably not a right-wing crazy <laughs> because they have been public enemy number one uh, from Donald Trump and all his like crazy right-wing cronies and uh, all the uh, you know the right-wing news organizations are just going nuts about this idea that Dominion rigged the election for Biden. Uh, but somehow not the, you know, not the Senate Democrats, just Biden. Uh, and they've been basing these conspiracy theories on nothing, as usual. Uh, and Dominion has then sued them for defamation because their reputation is basically their entire business. Um, if they get a reputation that they, you know, rig elections, then no, no secretary of state is going to hire them. Like, that's their entire business. So this is, and I, I heard um, Ken Powell talking about this on All the President's Lawyers. Um, and usually when they cover defamation cases, they're always ridiculous and have no chance. And this one he says, no, this is actually a really good case. Huh. Uh, so it would be nice to see some consequences for all the the just bald-faced lies that have been getting told. Yeah. Uh, and I wish Dominion the best here. Uh, all right, and now in the most happy of the happy news, <laughs> David. Yeah, so um, buttplug.io, uh, which is a, um, I think it, yeah, it's an open source uh, teledildonics um, uh, controls library. Uh, basically, if you've ever seen those videos of people controlling vibrators and stuff with their phone, it's uh, ways you can do that with products which that was not part of the original uh design intent uh they have finally launched their version one release they are out of beta and i am happy about that because they deserve (laughs) it i'm a big fan of open source and i'm a big fan of sex and putting those two together is win in my book david you're also a big fan of capitalism right yes Please tell me that you are being paid for this endorsement. I am not, but if they wanted to Damn pay it. me to do a bonus episode, then I would be completely there for that. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, buttplug.io. Uh, David, uh, world-famous host of The Mind Killers, willing to do an endorsement deal, so get on that. I mean, we do have listeners in uh, Europe, so I do think the world-famous... Descriptor is actually apt. Very true. Uh, all right. Well, that's happy news, and now we are moving on to troop deployments. As we all know, politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So, in that vein, we ask each of our three hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield every episode, and we'll start with David. Yeah. So, um, my troop deployment is going to be a little bit of vague posting. Uh, because we aren't 100% sure whether this is going through. Uh, it almost certainly is, but we are going to have a bonus episode going up sometime in January that I am super hyped about, 
Um, and yeah, so there has never been a better time to support the Mind Killers on Patreon at the $5 level. And also maybe pick up the uh, Star Wars High Republic books. It might come in handy. Uh, they come out tomorrow. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash. Uh, my troop deployment is m- mostly a quote from Alonzo Fife, who uh, we had early on uh, on the Basin Conspiracy. He's a, uh, f- I guess, now a philosopher. I believe he, he did get his doctorate. Um, anyways, ethicist, a uh, guy that I admire and have been reading for a long time. He was originally the atheist ethicist back when the internet was younger. Uh, he posted recently regarding the chicanery of the the 12 Republican senators that are planning to refuse to certify the election, which we talked about near the top of the episode. And uh, there's also some representatives in the House of Reps that is uh, on board with this as well. It's very likely not going to go anywhere this year because, like, there's only 12 senators that are doing it. But, uh, as Alonzo Fife points out, Cruz is setting up a vote on January 6th to determine which Republicans favor democracy and which Republicans favor dictatorship. The 2022 primaries are then going to be a contest between those pro-democracy Republicans and pro-dictatorship Republicans that are being headed by Ted Cruz right now, since Cruz is spearheading this, this effort to not... Uh, accept the election results. Anyways, the long-term plan is that uh, by 2025, it's not going to be 12 senators and 140 reps uh, voting to end democracy, but a majority in each chamber, uh, because that's that's what they're setting up right now. They're trying to draw these these lines uh, to d- d- differentiate the people. The, the thing is, this maneuver can work both ways. Uh, it can be used to identify and then remove the anti-democracy Republicans, but it's got to be done in the Republican primary. This is where the Republicans decide what kind of leaders they want. It's going to be a Republican political war, and it really matters which side wins. So, like, he hasn't said this part, but my personal um, opinion is that we really should... Especially if you're in a red leaning dis, if you're in a red district, you should already be registered Republican, just so you can have an actual influence on uh, who you're represented by. But like a lot of people sh- should probably register as Republican and and weigh in in these primaries to vote against the people who just don't care about uh, election results if they aren't the election results that they want. Um, so yeah do that it's going to matter in the future even if right now it looks like a joke all right thank you eniash and my troop deployment is something i realized only recently which is that any senator can call for a vote in the senate at any time one of the big problems with the senate other than the fact that it vastly overrepresents rural voters is that it's easy for the majority party or often the minority party to kill a proposal without actually voting on it which lets them avoid stating their actual position and thus talk out of both sides of their mouths about it. However, in September of 2020, Democratic minority leader Chuck Schumer wanted to put every Republican senator on the record over their support for the lawsuits seeking to overturn Obamacare. So he filed a cloture motion, which is apparently something that any senator can do at any time, which forced the Senate to vote on whether to cut off debate on the topic. It wasn't a vote on the merits, but it was a procedural vote on whether to allow a full vote. I want to repeat part of that because it's important. This is something that any senator can do at any time. I don't know about you, but I've been hearing for six years that the Democrats can't get anything to the Senate floor, even if it has some Republican support, because Mitch McConnell decides what gets a vote. And from what I can tell, that's just a lie. Any senator can force a vote on any topic at any time. 
And if there was some reason this wouldn't work for court appointments, any senator can file a motion to discharge, which is something very similar. And what this means is that the Democrats could have forced a vote on whether to confirm Merrick Garland. Now, I'm livid about this because all through 2016, we were told again and again that there was nothing Democrats could do to force a vote. McConnell was in charge, and that was that. And we were lied to. The Democrats could have forced a vote at any time, and they just chose not to. Now, forcing a vote doesn't mean he would have been confirmed, of course, but he might have been. Mitch McConnell was willing to buck tradition and hold the nomination for over a year, but that doesn't mean other Republican senators would have. And even if the vote ultimately failed, it would have forced every senator to clearly state where they stood on the issue. Now, I'm severely disappointed in the Democrats for not only failing to force a vote on Garland, but for failing to force a vote on lots of other popular legislation that they passed in the House, and then pretending they had no choice. Hey, dummies! If you want to show everyone that the Republicans oppose popular legislation, which they do, make them vote on it. What are you even doing? Win or lose in Georgia, this is going to be an issue. All right, that's our show. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, leave us reviews. Uh, subscribe on Patreon to get access to uh, any potential upcoming bonus episodes um, and also to get our podcast a day early. And uh, come back next week. Same rat time, same rat channel. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.